Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. friendly listeners. I'm going to keep this short since the conversations in this episode were too fun to cut way back. So in keeping with my no more than an hour rule, let me just give you all a bit of context. Today's main interview is with Anne Weil, author of Knitting Without Needles and her new book, Weaving Within Reach. I love this book. I've already made a couple of projects from it, and I plan on making more and more. It's a wonderful book for anyone who wants to dip their toes into weaving and see if it sparks without spending a lot of money or time learning all of the in-depth stuff. But for those without a weaving point of reference, let's just cover a couple of terms first. There are two basic parts to a woven fabric. The warp is the vertical threads that are usually set up first. If you had a piece of fabric, the full length of the bolt of fabric is the warp. Then there are the back and forth threads called the weft. The weft threads make up the horizontal plane of the fabric. As you're weaving, the warp threads part in a particular pattern that can vary row by row and make an opening that the weft thread passes through. This opening is called the shed. Okay, so that's the basics. Let's just jump right in with Anne. Hey, Anne. Hi, Miriam. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for doing the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. So your new book is called Weaving Within Reach, and it's like a step-by-step hand-holding to introduce people to weaving. What was your experience with weaving before you started this book? Well, I actually, you know, I say this in the book, but I am by no stretch a master weaver. I have dabbled a little in weaving projects when I was young and projects on my blog, which Flax and Twine has been around since 2010, 2011. And so I have, you know, some hula hoop rugs. And um, for example, there's a weaving project in my uh, last book in Knitting Without Needles, where we use finger knitting as the weft. Yeah. So I, you know, I had dipped my toe a little bit myself into weaving. Yeah. But actually, that project in my last book really made me think about kind of the gaps in the weaving projects that are out there for for a modern maker, for someone who maybe doesn't want to commit to a huge uh, harness loom or even a cricket loom. Yeah. Um, They're really like, here's a draft for, you know, an eight shaft towel pattern. That's really what's out there. It is insane to look at that. Like if you've never read a weaving pattern before (laughs) or like setting up, I mean, it can be really intimidating. Yeah. So I don't even address that in here. I really approach it. I like take a step back and say, okay, there are tons of patterns, projects, techniques out there for people to do frame loom tapestries. Yep. But what's not out there is how do you make beautiful thing, beautiful functional items that use weaving, whether it's on a frame loom or free weaving or on something you just make at home, a loom yeah. you make at home. And I just think the possibilities are immense. And I really wanted to get to that for makers, um, yeah. kind of reach into the, those open windows in the, in the market. And just, I just feel like gaps that 
that yeah, could be there really built. were. You know, in, unless you unless you know you had your own creative spirit, there's not really like you know a lot of guiding things for for stuff in that in between space. It's either you know like oh here do a freeform tapestry wall hanging or here do you know these like crazy twill towels with this tie up pattern. There's not really gorgeous, a lot of yeah know. oh and there's nothing wrong but, with them but yeah. like you know there's it's it's not it's not an easy introduction it's not it it makes it a really hard thing to get into yes i agree and that's why honestly i i like kind of put aside that 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 piece or or like didn't i really approached weaving from the standpoint of a DIY craft yeah. maker. Yeah. But I but obviously they incorporate a lot of different weaving traditions. Yeah. And as I get, you know, the the book progresses in difficulty. So as I get into kind of more of the frame loom projects, you get into more of that technique and uh kind of more complex in yeah. terms of what you're doing. But I really wanted to touch on so many different techniques. Yeah. So yeah, you let's know. talk about the structure of the book yeah. a little bit. Okay, yeah. So um, the projects in this book progress from no loom, that, no loom needed, through looms that are made from other stuff like cardboard um, to simple frame or hand looms. So it allows the maker to choose how deep they want to dive into this weaving pool. So uh, specifically, why did you choose this progression? Well, I really wanted to start with like, all you need is some, some rope or yeah. a little bit of yarn and a stone you know and you can start weaving or I even have I even one of the simplest projects in this book is I think everybody remembers doing lanyards when they were young (laughs) Um, that is weaving and we all know how to do it we've all done it so let's do it but let's maybe upgrade it with some new material so we I I changed that you know nobody needs that plastic shit we need leather nobody needs that anymore so like let's (laughs) I did it with a leather lace yeah and and then, you know, that also morphs into, like, I used this kind of j- traditional Japanese wrapping technique. Yeah, uh, on the stones. On the stones. And did that step by step. One of my favorite projects is I did this um, cane pattern on a pillow. So that yeah. was based on this Korean tradition of uh, these kind of hollow but hard cane pillows. Interesting. So I thought like, let me figure out how to recreate that out of something softer and cozier. And so I used velvet ribbon on a on a linen bolster to do yeah. that. And And that was just, I have to say, it was so much fun figuring out the projects and what I wanted to do yeah. uh, for this book, because it was like, how do I do that? How do I figure that out? Yeah. You know, and I would just, ex- you know, explore and practice and try things. And um, that bolster you know, research. is gorgeous. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. Love it. It's so much. really fun to make when you like see it come together. You're like, oh, this is how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a deep and abiding love for that cane stuff. One of my most treasured objects is actually a bentwood rocker that has that you know caning pattern yeah uh in the back in the seat and then also because it has like it has hexagons there's little you know like and i just i have a thing for hexagons so yeah it's super fun it's super fun and then there's like a like a twined rope bowl so Mm -hmm. instead of using kind of what feels like hard to access basket yeah like basket reeds and materials like like, let's just use rope yeah rope works fine and uh and so those were all just super fun to do and again or like for example we make i make a bento bag in this chapter oh, where you it. use twill tape yes to weave and what a cool texture that makes it's you so know great. so 
I was really just trying to be playful with some things you can do that are literally just, you know, all you need is a, a spool of twine. Yeah. And you can make this cool thing. Yeah. So really starting simple. Well, and it takes weaving down to to the same like easy access that knitting has, you know, yes. like all you need is the string and a couple of tools, yeah. you know, so like having being able to do some a, a woven project with like, a you know, a roll of twill tape and some pins. Yes, exactly. you know, that's it's there's a reason why knitting is so easily picked up by people. And, you know, weaving traditionally hasn't been because weaving has been like, oh, well, you need a loom, but right. you don't. You don't. You really don't. <laughs> um, although, you know, the what what I didn't want to leave them out altogether. You know, no, I didn't no, want no. this to be like, oh, well, all weaving with that loom. But yeah, there's a lot that you can get to when you have, you know, even a simple, simple loom. Yes, yes, definitely, and that's that's what I wanted to show too. Like, ju- all you need is frame loom, and you mm-hmm. can do all these cool projects. So, yeah. so anyway, so as. I moved forward then, I moved into made loom projects. So this is a kind of like the next notch up. So yeah. if you, then all you need to do to take the next step into weaving is to have a piece of cardboard. For yeah. example, the twill the pattern cowl. Oh God, that cowl you is You literally great. just need a piece of cardboard. Yeah. Well, and what I love is that you don't have to seam it. The way yep. that you've done it, you basically like, like you, you've made a loom out of this cardboard. You weave half of it. You don't even have it. to notch the loom. Yeah. You don't, you don't even have to like cut or measure anything yeah. other than the dimensions of the piece of cardboard. Yeah. So you weave half of it and then you just like shift all your warp, which goes round and round and round so that you can weave the other part. Exactly. So it's exactly. continuous and there's no seams in it. It's genius. But then I wanted to take it like another step and not just have it be over or under, but like, let's dip our toe into yeah. this is a new pattern. So like you can alter how your over under patterns yep. go to create a new fabric yep. and introducing people like this is a twill pattern. Yeah. It and goes over like, two, under two. Yep. Rather then, than, you know, one. Exactly. One. And then it shifts as it, as it moves. Mm-hmm. And then later I introduce, um, the herringbone yep. and, you know, and the idea is just, you know, there are these little tendrils that start to reach out, like adding layers of difficulty or layers yeah. of knowledge. And so that's, that's what I was really trying to accomplish. I think you did it beautifully. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited. Like um, I'm, you know, I'm the person who has the crazy loom. Like, so when I came to weaving, I came full force. I bought an eight shaft floor loom from a friend who was getting rid of it. And then only later got a rigid heddle. So I've been like all about making yardage and making fabric and, you know, like stocking my ki- kitchen with towels and, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. I've never wanted a frame loom before, but your book has made me want that, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and like, and, you know, so for me, it's actually kind of going retro, <laughs> uh-huh. but like, you know, if, if somebody who already has all the materials and shit to do, you know, to do like hardcore weaving, I want to do projects in your book. So like you succeeded. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm so, so glad. I I really wanted to kind of like make this a bridge, a bridge yeah. into that next yeah. thing. Yeah, I think, I think it's working really well. Good, good. I will say, though, when I was working on that kitchen towel, I was like, this would be a lot easier on a different <laughs> loom. Yes, um, when you're, when you're seam- picking over, under, over, under. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. I have a shed stick on one side yeah. so I could pass around one side, but I was picking on the other on the side. Other side. The other- direction. Yep. So it definitely took more time than you would on yeah, a, on a, a different kind of loom, yeah. but 
to me, there's just this act of meditation and for sure simplicity of doing it this way. Yeah. And, uh, and then when you fall in love with this, then you can move to the next step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I did a, I'll link it in the show notes, but I did a, um, a presentation at the Maker Fair this last year, basically taking weaving from its early, early roots to computing and showing the evolution of, of weaving technology. So, um, you wow. know, so I made, I made a frame loom that actually had loom weights. Wow. To, to you know, a, a warp weighted loom and, you know, and explained that like you would have this hanging from your, from like the beam of your house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and that one was like, I think I, I wove a total of like five rows on it. I kept being like, nope, not showing you this one, but you want to see the, uh, you know, the four shaft table loom. I'll show you that all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. That was crazy. That's awesome. So um, I really love your use of natural elements in your weaving projects in this book. So there's a project to weave around keepsake rocks that you talked about with the cotton gima, um, and one that uses wild grasses as the warp for a wall hanging. Yeah. You bring a lot of elements of the natural world into your making, and especially in this book, I think. When we first met, you had just moved back to Colorado from Baltimore. So has the move to Colorado really shaped your work? Yeah, it's interesting. When I, I I haven't really put that together, but I kind of feel like you're asking me that question. I'm like, I think that might be true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always loved natural elements, yeah. but uh, so I think it's just it's also just kind of a progression in my own artistic voice yeah, and and what I'm drawn to. You know, my color palette has shifted over time. The kind mm-hmm. of materials I like to work with have shifted over time, and I think that's a reflection here. Yeah. Um, I did. It's really interesting because as we were trying to decide, you know, where are we going to shoot this book? Where are we going to put these projects? Mm-hmm. I focus specifically on Colorado. And I said, you know what, I want to do it here. I feel like I'm coming back home. You know, there's such beauty in this state and in this city that definitely was in the back of my mind. And it was shot with a a Colorado stylist, a Colorado photographer, Mm -hmm. and all the locations were in Colorado. And so that was kind of a piece of the whole book. So I think that's interesting that you kind of bring that whole idea of the materials and just you know, the grasses and the earth and the stone that is here, the mountains that are here and having that kind of filter into the book. I I love that kind of notion. And I think it probably, I was not conscious about that, but I think that there is some real truth to that, that thought. Well, I sort of see Colorado as like, as like a sister place to where I am, you know, um, as much as, as much as I, you know, don't really like living in Utah, Salt Lake City itself is really fantastic. Um, but you know, so I, it's, it's like, it's just, it literally is the other side of the continental divide. So it's like a mirror image almost yeah, of where I live. I so like Colorado still feels like home to me, even, even though like it's not. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, it's like some weird alternate universe. Yeah. 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 On the other side. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know if you're a Star Trek fan, but the whole mirror universe thing is like one of my favorite yeah. fandoms. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like it's Colorado's like my mirror universe. That's so cool. That's very strange. Yeah, so I'm I'm really glad that you're here. I think I find it very inspiring to see your work. Oh, thank you. Because it feels it feels like it feels like home. Oh. That makes me feel so good, Miriam. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the photo styling. So 
it's as always, as all your photos are, it's impeccable. Um, You chose a limited palette of colors and you have this aesthetic that's very clean and modern. Your photos always make me feel like I'm inhabiting the space that you're creating. Do you have any tips for photo styling? Oh my gosh. I like obsess. I obsess over styling. I guess I would just say that it really is practice, 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 practice. And like, I mean, I spend as much time researching like how I wanted the book to look. Well, maybe not as much, but like (laughs) actually doing the projects. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, like I spent a lot, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time. Like this is the project I'm making. This is how I want it to feel. Yeah. This is how I can picture someone using it. Yeah. This is how I want someone to feel when they're using it. Yeah. This is how, you know, I love beautiful things. Yeah. And that comes through. <laughs> I just want it to be layered that way. So yeah. not only is the item beautiful and textural and something interesting, but it's in this like warm and textural setting or yeah. something that makes you feel good. Or like you're, tr- you know, like for example, you know, like I added the map to the lanyard thing because mm-hmm. you're traveling, you're on the road, you're yeah. like going through Colorado or like, you know, the idea, you know, with the trivets, for example, you know, you're having your tea and scones mm-hmm. and like maybe you're about to head out on this adventure. And, you yeah. know, it's just part of the layered background of living. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't feel like a staged photo. It feels like, like, you know, maybe you live in this place and, you know, you just set it up in your house, which I'm sure is not the case, but, um, you know, well, because... it, 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 it wasn't. So some of them actually are in my studio or in my space. Oh, that's great. But a lot of it was, uh, I was just inspired by these locations. Yeah that I found in Colorado, you know, these are places that exist, (laughs) you know, like that, that wallpaper is on a cafe in a small mountain town in Colorado, you know, Uh, or like the lace curtain and the old building um, that's in the photo with the clutch, you know, that is on a street in Colorado, you know, so yeah, or the lobby of that hotel where the um, where you see the woven boxes or the hanging chair Mm -hmm. that is this cool hotel called Amigo in Salida Colorado so like somebody can go experience like these were experiences yeah well so someone curated the space even though it wasn't necessarily you curating the space exactly exactly and I mean obviously we brought in elements of our own or colors or whatever yeah but yeah like the creation of the space is somebody else you know but like how do we put ourselves into that space was kind of what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. But a lot of it, like I said, a lot of it comes down to research too. Like what images do you like? What layouts do you like? What yeah. makes you feel like, whoa, whoa, you can really see that. For example, uh, the basket weave pillow in that white, white room. That's what I wanted because yeah. I want, you want it to pop. Th- yeah. You just see those pillows. Like that is all you see. And I, yeah, so I the rest of it's that. subconscious in that photo. You know, you, you know that there's a space where the pillow exists, but what pops out is the pillow. Yeah, exactly. And so I get those instincts before I even get to that room, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, 
So, and so all the art direction is mine, but I had a very talented stylist as well. Good. Uh, And that's Natalie Wardy. She's here in um, Colorado. And then Rebecca Stumpf and uh, was the photographer Mm -hmm. and Jimena Peck was the assistant. And they, they just did such a great job helping me pull this all, pull my vision together. So So, I'm really thankful to them. uh, Because you got, you know, local stylist and photographer and local um, stuff. Did you, were you there? Did you get to be there for all of the styling and all the photography? Yes. So that actually is a big reason that I choose um, Potter Craft to do my books with. They are, I mean, basically, you know, they they obviously are involved in making sure like we send the first few shots to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they approve them. Yeah, they approve them. They approve the photographer. They approve the stylist. And as I get going, I'm like sending them ideas of my vision. And as we take the first couple shots, I'm sending them photos of my shots. But mm-hmm. they were not on site for any of this. Yeah. Um. So this is just all me. It's I build really my great. team. I have my vision. I make it happen. Yeah. And even the way it's structured, you know, um, part of part of the book deal in general is that I I have a photography budget given yeah. to me by them. That's good. Um, that's part of, you know, part of the whole package. So yeah. it's not like they're paying the bills. I'm paying the bills. Yeah. I'm hiring people. So, but I love that because I've been able to really... Well, it means that your vision comes through cleanly. You know, yes. this, there's a yeah. reason it's, that's a really happy ground between, you know, what traditional publishing has been like and why I'm self-publishing, you know, right. because there's so many times that I've sent a piece to a magazine and it's been photographed inside out. Like, right. you know, my, my shawl that's on the cover of Best of Interweave Knits is inside out. You're like, no. Yeah, you know, and so like there's there's so many things that like had they just had the person in the room. Yes. You know, things could have been better, things could have been, you know, clearer. Um, but I I this book feels like your vision through and through. Yeah, and what I love is it makes it consistent with my brand and yeah. what I do yeah. outside of the book. It just I feel like it's able to just feel like me. Yeah. Well, maybe a notch up or two, you know. Yeah, well, like you with a really good budget, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Where you actually spend, you know, four days taking photos with a professional photographer. Yeah, rather than like, you know, oh, I need to post a photo of this up on the interweb. So I'm going to like, you know, spend a couple of hours, you know, taking photos. Yeah, yeah, it's it's you with, you know, the extra time and and money and budget that you need, you know, budgeted yeah, everything. Yeah, it is crazy to like I mean, I don't know how much people know about this, but like, you know, when you like come up with your vision, well, then you have to be like, oh, I want some copper in it and I want mm-hmm. it to be like this. And it's like, well, someone's got to go find the copper bowl and the yeah. copper, you know, plates and yeah. the, you know, you got to go get the, you know, the hat and the dress and the, you know, it's, yep. and when you're not doing it in New York, I mean, in New York, you have shops. Oh God, you that find everything LA. everywhere. You have yeah. shops that are just completely dedicated to this. Someone yeah. can go through and be like, I want this, 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 and this shipped to that location. Yeah, well, or well, like, we, you know, here's all the stuff and it's it's sorted by color. Exactly. So here, find some textural element in this right color range to send. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. So then you take that out of New York and you're here in Denver. Well, then we don't have a ton of resources like that. Yeah. So it is it is a it's a lot of work. Effort. Yeah. It's an effort for sure. Yep. Yeah, but fun. I mean, no, totally fun. And, you know, that's also another reason to have a photo stylist, you know, because like they probably have 
more resources or like that's their job to go find all those places where you can get all those cool things you know so like they check out all the boutique shops and they know what's in the boutique shops or they can say hey boutique shop owner i'm looking for this thing you know yes they have a network that's that's you know a reason to to have a photo stylist yeah yeah that's awesome so uh what is your favorite project from the book Oh, I don't. <laughs> don't ask your baby. Me that. I know I'm horrible. <laughs> um, I mean, there are just so many. There are so many. I love the rope bowl because mm-hmm. I just love the simplicity of that. Well, you there's nothing else. You don't need anything else except your hands. Yeah, and, and it's just like two hours, and you've got this beautiful thing. I just, it's very simple, and I love yeah. that. But then one of my front favorite projects I added at the very end, and actually a project got kicked out to include it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sending you one more. <laughs> and that is, uh, that is the triangle tank top. Oh, yeah. I was really happy to see a garment in there. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to include a garment. Yeah. And, but obviously want it to be super simple. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. There's nothing complex about that. It's just no. kind of squares. Yeah. But this is a perfect example of, of what I want to do with this book. It's like, look, you can incorporate weaving into your um, you know, wardrobe. Yep. You can incorporate weaving into, you know, make a pouch to keep your embroidery things in, mm-hmm. you know, like... I'm a multi crafter. I just, yeah. and I, you, you are and both, too, baby. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like if you love working with your hands, you love working with your hands. Yeah. So, I mean, this is just a great way to like add something new to your toolbox mm-hmm. and like do it in a lot of different ways. So, that was one of a really fun one to do. So, uh, so for those who haven't seen this, and I'm going to post photos in the, in the show notes, um, there is a weft faced woven band around the neckline and kind of the whole top of this tank top and then the rest of it is just like gathered fabric into it to be you know a floaty easy wearing tank top but like you know and little and little straps but it's a way to incorporate the made piece into a garment which I really love. And actually, somebody already has taken, like, made the band and actually made two bands and done a T-shirt and added the bands at the sleeve. Oh, that's great. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I want people to do, you know? So um, that was just really neat to see that. Uh, that was Rachel Dembo, um, who uh, has her own book, DIY Woven Art. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, because she has a gorgeous book, too. It's another another good one for someone who uh, – she, she takes more uh, – she really does a great introduction into tapestry, weaving on a frame loom, oh, and then takes kind of – more taking those tapestries and making some functional okay. projects from cool. that kind of that tapestry basis. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, so it is also a very cool book. But she was the one that right from the start, she like made the band and um, and instead of a tank top, like did sleeves on a t-shirt That's or great. like a band at the sleeve on the t-shirt, which I thought was so cool. That's awesome. I love I love when when you know the creative energy that you put out there uh, takes on a life of its own and becomes becomes something else to someone else. I love it. Yes, and actually, it's interesting. You know, I've been lamenting like, oh, blogs are dead and it makes me sad that people (laughs) aren't into blogs anymore. But with this book, it's been really interesting because on Instagram, it's been just so much more alive and people have been sharing what they're making and excited to get the book and like showing me what they're doing in stories. And I'm like, oh, this is so exciting. (laughs) Um, In terms of the last chapter with the frame looms, I again, like, 
wanted to do a variety. So like the first project, you're learning different woven patterns. Mm -hmm. And then you learn, for example, there's a window pane pattern, or you learn how to do some like trellis hem stitching Mm -hmm. in a clutch and some of it and then you're lining some of these bags with just like a little bit of fabric yeah. Um, so again, they are, they become a functional clutch or a functional zipper bag. Yep. With the tote that I have in here, I, I was tote. trying to um, teach how to weave, like do gradient weaving. So mm-hmm. like have um, the colors change as you go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're all like for each project, I was trying to introduce a new little thing you can yeah. learn. There's a subtle well. level of complexity that yeah. you know that you put in with each project it's you know none of the projects feels like oh you could have left that out and you know covered the same base with a different project they all feel like they've got a good place in the book like they bring something independently to the book yeah that's what i was trying to do it wasn't like oh i'm just going to make a bunch of things with weaving it's like no i really wanted this like each one has like a little thing that it's teaching you or yeah. showing you or a yeah. way to anyway bring something new to it yeah that was- that was my goal. Well, it worked. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, I'm really excited about the book. So I'm, awesome. uh, I hope that people check it out. So we, uh, due to actually a mailing mishap, I have two copies of the book. So we're going to give one away. One is yeah. mine, um, which, uh, so actually, let's talk for a second about the naming of the book. Ah, yes, this was you. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, Anna and I have been have been texting since we since we like started teaching at the same places. (laughs) Once you moved back to Colorado and I met you because I think you actually I think I met you the week that you moved back. It was it was like really soon after I moved back. It was crazy. Like you were still unpacking, but you had copies of of your first book, Knitting Without Needles, and you you signed one and handed, you know, handed me one and I asked you to sign it. So I handed it back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because, you know, and I, like I, I loved your aesthetic. It was gorgeous. And I was like, oh, I'm yeah, I like her. So, <laughs> so we were we were we've been texting since we, you know, started teaching together. Yeah. So do you want to take it from oh. here? Yes, I will take over here. So yes, we've been texting. And actually, Miriam, you're always so awesome. You always like, <laughs> it, like you check in when you know, like, you, you, I don't know, I feel like you, you keep your pulse on like what's going on. And you always have like a well timed text to be like, checking in on how you doing. <laughs> yeah, I have a I, I have this, you have a like, spidey sense. Or I do. Um, and, you know, and <laughs> I'll see, I'll think, you know, oh, I haven't heard from Anne in a while. I wonder how she's doing. And I'd look at, you know, what's going on, what you put out. And yeah. I'm, I'm a master at seeing what you put out and what you don't put out. Yeah. So <laughs> I love it when your name pops up on my phone. Cause I'm always like, oh, and then, you know, we'll catch up a little bit on what's going on. So at yeah. one point you text me about the book and I was in the throes of like, what the heck am I going to name this book? Yeah. And uh, because I, again, like I wanted people to feel like it was Accessible. something doable, but like something beyond tapestry weaving and all this stuff. So yeah, you and I went back in this like mad and I didn't like the thing that I can't even remember what my publisher was suggesting, but I was like, I don't know. So then we just like, we're like this mad brainstorming session for like, I don't even know how long, but it was like back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, maybe sort of, but I want to try and convey this and I want to try and convey this. And then you came back with weaving within reach and it was like, Oh, <laughs> uh, 
because I was like, yes, like that's just what I want to convey. Like you can weave, anyone can weave a total beginner. Like you can just reach out and grab this book and you can do it. You don't just need some basic materials and, um, and you can make some gorgeous things. So I am just so thankful for that title. And it obviously informed the whole shot, the whole cover shot too. So yeah. It's um, all you. Hey, thanks. <laughs> I, you know, I think that um, this is the stuff that I really love to do. Um, I, my husband is a writer. Um, he, you know, he does a regular day job, but he's writing novels. And so, and we, both of us love words and, you know, the connotations of words and exactly what words mean in society. Like the other day we actually had a conversation about, about whether or not masculine and feminine had had been like tied to gender like whether they were created tied to gender or whether they've evolved that way because of societal structures yeah that's interesting you know like so this is the kind of things we talk about all the time so yeah yeah. you know so like i love i love finding the right words well what was crazy is it wasn't like you said you like what about this or or like i think i texted you kind of what i was thinking yeah 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 right and instead of being like that sounds good you like dove into it. Yeah, I started like, throwing I was, out like, words. I was like, yes, what about I this word? Really, Does this word yeah, resonate with you? Word? Like, <laughs> Yes. And I just appreciate how you dove into that problem because not many people will do that. And so I, it just really warmed my heart. It made me feel good. And I'm so, so glad we came to this cool title. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I like to do. Um I'm I'm less good at naming my own stuff because I'm too close to it. Yeah, you almost get too close to it. Yeah, for sure. Well, and usually, like, it needs a name by the time I'm done with it, and by the time I'm done with it, I kind of hate it for a little while. Well, that's so funny because when I finish this book, I'm like, I don't even know if these things are good. <laughs> yeah, right. You're too close to it. You've got like blinders on, and it's all you've seen, and so you get desensitized to how good it actually is. Yeah, like it's like oh, these this isn't you know like. Uh, yeah, you just forget. You yeah. forget. Or like, yeah, you somehow are like normalized to it. Yeah, or and, you see it so frequently that all you see is the problems. Yeah, all you see is exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then when people start responding to it, they're like, this is so cool. I'm like, yeah, it is You're kind like, of cool. Yeah. It's like you rediscover your enthusiasm for the project. Totally. Totally. When other people resonate with it. Yes. And that's like the, that's like the part that feels so good when you finally have it out and people are yeah. making it and responding to yeah. it and well and like and clearly getting your vision yeah you know like the per- the person who did the the t-shirt you know she clearly got what you were doing but like made it you know work for her and made it more complicated than you could put in the book exactly exactly i'm like yeah i wish i could have put sleep yeah too but th- that wasn't the point the point was exactly like you'd have to have you know a fold-out sewing pattern with sizing right. and that wasn't that. going to work in the context <laughs> of the book exactly exactly yeah. So, oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yay. This is why I'm talking to you. I was like, I get it, and I'm enthusiastic about it. And let's talk about it for the podcast. Good. <laughs> 
So I have a question that I ask everybody in season two. Yes. If you could be reincarnated as any animal, what animal would you be? It's funny because you gave me a little heads up on this. Yeah. I, yeah, it's I, a hard one. I decided I should give everybody a heads up on funny. it. funny. So I, I thought, oh my gosh, what would I be? I have no idea. And uh, so I was in the car with my daughter and my daughter loves animals. Mm-hmm. And I thought, so she's surely going to think of something. Oh, so yeah. I mentioned this and because I mean, it, it's that's to me is a hard question <laughs> without missing a beat she said a beaver for sure and oh yeah beaver. oh shit she's on it and that's she knows I you thought. i was like holy crap i'm like that i mean i just think of like what like i i just really resonate with that whole like working uh-huh. making creating like transforming yep. but just like working really hard and so i mean i think she she nailed it on the head she I, did she I, really did. That's it. So that's she's awesome. very cute. I'm like, you are really good. I'm like, what made you think of that? Uh-huh. I don't know. She's, she's got it. Teeth. And I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not that buck tooth, but you know. <laughs> so uh, well, thanks, Anne. Yeah. It was lovely to talk to you. It is so great to talk to you, too. Now let's talk with Angela Tong about some loom basics. While my experience is more with the larger, more complex looms, Angela has been teaching classes on some of the less complex looms and is currently working on a book on pin loom weaving. I'm here with Angela Tong. She's a fiber craft designer and instructor living in New Jersey. Hey, Angela. Hi, good morning. So let's talk about looms, specifically looms yeah. that are not, uh, you know, big barrier to entry. Like my first loom, because I'm a crazy person, was like a 45 inch wide eight shaft floor loom. Wow. But <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, it's a little intense. I tend to, you yeah. know, fall feet first into things. But um, for people who are not crazy like me, <laughs> Where's a good place for them to start? Well, I actually started on the rigid heddle loom um, mm-hmm. without knowing anything. I mean, as a knitter, coming in as a knitter, yeah, um, or crocheter, I also crochet too. Yeah, I thought it was a great entry, only because I could use the yarns, you know, from yeah. my knitting sash and crochet sash. And I, you know, I accidentally fell into getting a loom <laughs> for <the> on purpose. <laughs> uh, I had no idea how to use it, but the rigid heddle loom could do a lot. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, with floor looms, you don't want to use your knitting or crochet yarns because there's too much waste. Um, you would be, the yarns are too expensive to use on a floor loom or even a table loom. So uh, yeah. let's back it up just a, a bit. Mm-hmm. So the difference between a standard loom or a floor loom, it could be table or floor, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and, and a rigid heddle, uh, there's a few differences. So number one, the heddle. <laughs> so yes. like, yes. Um, describe how that how a rigid heddle is like functions. The heddle has the holes and the slots. Yeah. And you just thread those portions of it and you put the heddle up or down to create a shed to put your, you know, weaving yarn through. So it basically... As opposed to a floor loom, you know, so the floor loom would have the reed, (laughs) which would be your slots. (laughs) And then it also has the heddles, which is with the holes and multiple shafts going up and down. So, so a, a, a rigid heddle loom has basically up or down for yes. threads so or it has neutral. it alternates mm-hmm. so it's a plain weave yes, yes, plain uh, weave, yes. 
so it's it's you're limited to what the machine can do with a rigid heddle with plain weave but you can do like hand picking things and do some fancy stuff but it it won't automatically do that like you could do you know the way you thread a standard loom yeah. makes a difference mm-hmm. in the pattern so like you could do twills yeah, on a standard yeah. loom mm-hmm. that kind of thing but but with a floor loom you know how you can thread it so that you can make specific patterns yeah. right but you're pretty much set to using that pattern unless you want to change it out yeah, but with the rigid heddle once you set up for plain weave it's always set at plain weave, but with, like you said, the, with a pickup stick in the back, mm-hmm. you can hand manipulate patterns easily and you can keep changing it. I mean, there are, there are tons of patterns out there for hand manipulation. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I really like plain weave on the rigid heddle, and, but I've yeah. played with, um, you know, the, the pickup sticks to make like, uh, like a waffle weave mm-hmm. or just playing around with um, different techniques. And there's a ton you can do with it. And you can make even string heddles on the uh, rigid heddle. I've oh. seen people do some really intense like they they made a multi shaft. Wow! <laughs> I don't know why they want to do this, but yeah, they well, put in a ton of string heddles. You know, it would be it would be a, using what you have. Like if if you only wanted to do like yeah. one project and the width of your rigid heddle was fine, then like it makes sense mm-hmm. add add extra heddles to make it easier, so you don't have to you know hand pick the pattern using pickup sticks. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was very clever. Yeah, I saw that's that great. recently and I was like, wow. So um, um, let's go even further primitive <laughs> and talk yeah. about just like straight hand looms or pin looms. So those are those are generally like going to be plain weave, right? Um, yes. So it's, I, I call, you know, those, you know, how the, the really popular um, tapestry weaving nowadays, mm-hmm. those wall hangs that you see everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's super popular. Like you can't, you know, go into a store without even like Target selling one of those uh, lap looms or yeah. I, I call it a, you know, a frame loom actually. Yeah, you frame can do it with a set of nails and a piece, you know, in a, in a frame. Like you can use it. You can use almost anything to make one of those. And yeah. that to me is more like what I consider that's more like tapestry style. Yeah. Although like, you know, tapestry weaving hat delves deeper into that, uh, you know, into a different uh, realm too. So, but that's like your basic, all you do is just warp it up, you know, mm-hmm. it's just strings across and you go under, over. But within that, you know, the yeah, frame you loom. you can play with texture, um, you can play with yeah, fiber. There's a lot of like, yep, there's a lot of techniques you can do too. So, um, you know, making a lot of textures, mm-hmm. uh, nodding, yeah. all kinds of like all fringe. Kinds of I've and seen fringe really coming off the front. <laughs> yep, lots for of, like wall hanging. Yeah. yeah, those are really fun. And then uh, pin looms are totally different. Um, where because you are warping and weaving at the same time. Oh yes. So yeah, that's completely different. Um, and I love pin looms too. So with a pin loom, you don't. You, okay, so normally with any kind of other loom, you you warp. So you put your your uh, I guess vertical threads. If if it's on yep. like a on like a standard loom, they would they would wind around the beams so that you have lots of warp, yep. so that you can do yardage. You'd basically be like you know mm-hmm. multiple yards of warp. So a pin loom or a frame loom are only going to have as much warp as there is space in the square or rectangle, right? With the frame loom, the warp is going vertically. Um, the pin loom, however, is yeah. woven different, right? Yeah, you're doing the warp at the same time as you're doing the weft, because you yeah. loop around mm-hmm. the little pins also, and change direction. And the pins are, yeah, the pins are all around, so it's not just top and bottom. Like a frame loom, you only warp top and you know top yeah. and bottom, just like a regular loom. But the pin looms are warped all around, so it's yeah. all four sides. 
and then also you can do bias weaving on there. So oh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like a continuous, it's a continuous weave on a pendulum too. So there's cool. actually a couple of techniques on there. So the big thing, the results are different. Yeah, totally. Well, and it, it would use the same yarn differently as well, especially if you're talking about a variegated yarn, you're going to get different mm-hmm. uh, sorts of, you know, patterning with the way it weaves. And I found that not every yarn can be used um, for pendulum. Okay. It's really difficult to weave with just straight cotton. You have it's just it doesn't have any elasticity. So, oh, okay. so I feel like if you were gonna, you know, use something where you can use a lot of your yarn stash, then you would go with a rigid heterloom loom or a frame loom. You know, yeah. so you can use anything in it. But I found that I've had to really try things sample with the pin loom because not everything worked or I just got frustrated and I pulled it off yeah. or you have to like give a lot of slack where you know just to compensate just to get it on and people are struggling with it okay <laughs> so um so let's let's rank things in <laughs> standard so we've got okay so we've got like for simplicity's sake a pin loom it limits the amount of fabric you can weave because it's a yeah. set size but it it does warp and weft at the same time which is interesting. Yeah. So like oh, all yeah, it, right. kind of in the I, one in yeah. the one setup. Like it's it's not like you warp it and like, then do weft and it's done. So Oh, for ease of setup? Yes, I would count that as super easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then we have a frame loom or a hand loom that are usually just you set up your warp, you're again limited by the size of the loom. Yeah. And but you'd set up a warp and then do a weft. Yeah. Which I find that very easy. Yeah. You know, like yeah. even probably easier than a pin loom yeah. because there's a less learning curve. Yeah, that, that makes because sense. Because you're really just warping. Yeah. So actually, I think the frame loom, like, you know, frame loom, lap looms, those actually would probably be the easiest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we move on to a rigid heddle, which has mm-hmm. uh, the default is a plain weave. You can manipulate yeah. it by hand to do other things, but the default is a plain weave, but it gives you the added benefit of being able to do a longer warp. Yeah, you can make, um, you can make long. So cloth. you're only limited by the width of the fabric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the width of the loom. Sure. So you can, I know that like rigid heddles you can get, um, they usually come anywhere from 12 inches to like 20 or 30 inches wide. Yeah. 32 is the longest I've seen so far. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, because at that point you might as well be having a standard loom. Oh, and plus, uh, you know, with the with the rigid heddle, you could double weave on it and get twice the width of the fabric oh, too. Oh, interesting. So a, lot of people, a lot of people do that. That's cool. <laughs> I have not played with that. Okay, so that's a possibility. But again, like that's, you know, advanced yeah. level stuff for a rigid heddle. <laughs> yes. Very, yes, advanced level, you need two heddles for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, so rigid heddle gives you the added usefulness of a longer warp. Real quick, I want to talk about direct warping before we, like, continue on with this. So rigid mm-hmm. heddles use a direct warp method. You can use a direct warp or yeah. make a warp on the warping board and then yeah. put it on. Uh, a direct warp does not really work on a standard loom. So I find this like a big reason to use a rigid heddle. Um, a direct warp, mm-hmm. I will put a video in the show notes, but a direct warp, basically you use a single fiber source and you warp the loom as you're getting the length of the of the warp. So with a standard loom, you wind your warp on a warping board or a warping reel first and then have to go through and thread all the heddles and the reed. But with rigid yep. heddle, you do you, it. It's all one step. Yeah. Um. It's really fascinating. Um, Watch the video been, for sure. Continuous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. It also makes it really easy to do with, um, with like you know your your knitting yarns. You wind them into a center pull ball and you just go. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you can change, uh, you know, as you're warping, even with direct warping, you can cut and tie on a yep. new color or yep. a new yarn. You know, so it could be different textures too. Yep. You can do, you know, stripes. You could do stripes in the warp with multiple different ball, you know, multiple balls of yarn. Um, it's very, it's really easy to to do a direct warp, which I think makes it like warping for me has been the biggest hurdle to weaving on my big standard loom. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it's it's time consuming and it feels like I have to just tell myself that it's part of the process. It's a big part of the process. It's a big (laughs) part of the process. But like as a knitter, you know, where you come to it with like, you have your stuff, you have your sticks, Mm -hmm. you have your string, and then you sit down and you do it. You know what I mean? Like that when you start, you start and you get to see fabric made immediately. Mm -hmm. But like with weaving, it's the warping is a big part of it, but you don't see immediate results which can oh, make it yeah. a little frustrating, I think. People who come into weaving, they try and they're like, oh, wow, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. They, yeah, everybody imagines the really, yeah. you know, the the zen part of it is the weaving. <laughs> With the, yeah, the well, and that's, that's you know, putting the weft in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, putting the weft in is the zen part because yeah. you've already done all the setup. You're just like moving yarn back and forth between the warp threads. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked about a rigid heddle and direct warping. Yeah. Next in the complexity would be like a standard loom, mm-hmm. so a floor loom or a table loom. Yeah. So the difference between the two basically is about where they sit. Floor loom sits on the floor mm-hmm. and a table loom sits on the table. So it's going to have handles to move the shafts and a floor loom is going to have pedals to move the shafts. And you could treadle because uh, you can you can tie up several you know patterns with it. As opposed yes. to, like, I was, like, working on, because we did a, a, in my weaving guild, we did a weave-along, and I got to try out the differences between everything. And it was really neat, yeah. because they did the pattern, but I would have to step on just one pedal and would lift up, you know, shaft two yep. and four and six, you know, whereas yep. the table loom, you would have to manually lift <laughs> each one, yes. you know, to, you know, and and make sure you know yeah. what pattern you're doing, where um, there is a difference, but it's very, I also don't think it's, you know, that big of a difference it's not prohibitive yeah yeah you can make anything do what you want it to do mm-hmm. to some extent but yeah so if a table loom is going to be a little bit simpler in that uh you have to manually manipulate your sh- your shafts and for process weavers they don't like that um they said it's too slow for them like i've been talking to like I've been, i'm in a group of like very serious um weavers i mean this is their hobby not what they do for a living but they produce mm-hmm. a lot. And yeah, the yeah. table loom, they use it for maybe workshops or uh, just, just yes. to have, but they don't like sampling. W- how they make yeah. cloth is really on their flow looms. Yeah. So I like it the makes little sense. looms because I'm just, I, I like everything small. <laughs> uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't have a trouble with it. It's, it really, I think it depends on, on what you want to do with a loom, which loom you should come at. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you want to play with fiber, you want to play with color, anything in the the hand loom to rigid heddle area, I think would would be perfectly fine for you without having you know to make a big investment because a like a standard loom is a big investment. It is. It is. Um, so I, I've been, that's how I scout. Why I'm scouring for you know <laughs> used looms <laughs> because it yes. is um, very co- cost prohibitive in the beginning and. I mean, the rigid heddle is not, I wouldn't say it's cheap, you know, because compared no, to... No, it's still not cheap. Loom, it's it's, it's a precisionly engineered yeah. thing. So, yeah, but compared know. to, like you say, a table loom and a floor loom, oh, yes, vastly yeah. much more or less expensive to get into weaving. Yeah. And the thing I like about the rigid heddle, too, is that you're also creating cloth. So if you like to sew yeah. and make things, 
There you yeah. go. You can make a lot of yardage with the uh, rigid pedal too. And um, yeah. as opposed to the frame limb where you're making only, like you're limited by the length and the width, right? But yep. the rigid pedal, you're limited by just the width or if you want to double weave, you yeah. can double double it. But yeah, uh, yeah so there's yeah, there's many options and I haven't met a loom I didn't like yet. So that, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried almost everything and I keep delving and learning more and more and I got kind of into tapestry weaving over the summer. Yeah, that's and something I haven't done yet that I, I think really I would like. like. It. So I, it, it's it's so precision. It's different. <laughs> Where it's, yeah. Uh, it, it's even more. Um, well, it's it's more like painting with with fiber mm-hmm. than than it feels like weaving. Do you know what I mean? Like weaving yeah. is the structure, but it's more about painting with fibers than it is about. Like, because you could use, you know, you could use, like, roving. You could use locks, like, mohair locks. You don't have to use, um, you know, actual yarn, even. Well, what I found was, like, just doing a simple course on it. And it's, you know, there's a lot of, it's very meticulous. And there's a lot of rules. Like, true tapestry weaving, there's a lot of rules on how Yeah, well, and about how you interlock yeah, interlocking. And... You can't see that. You're not supposed to see the warp. Like so, there's like they call it light. Yeah. You're not supposed to see the little you know, your warp threads sticking out. Yeah, and it's supposed um, to be tightly beaten yeah, so, so that so that like because okay, so with the plain weave, we're yeah. we're kind of talking yeah, because you know we weave, both yeah. we both understand this, but yeah. like I'm trying to explain it for people. Oh, so um, yeah. with a mm-hmm. with a plain weave, mm-hmm. what you're aiming for is, or at least an even plain weave. Yeah. What you're aiming for is basically to be able to see all of the over under over under so you see everything equally so that there's this if you looked at one square inch of your fiber or of your finished fabric you would have the same number of warp threads as weft threads so that would be an even plain weave Mm -hmm. and you'd be able to see them all Mm -hmm. but when you're talking about um, about something like a tapestry weaving you don't want to see the warp threads the warp threads are usually like you know, something, something sturdy, like a cotton, something tightly wound, you know, something, um, or like a rug warp, you know, something like that, Mm -hmm. something that's, that's really strong. So you can push a lot of fiber into it, but you don't actually want to see it. It's, it's giving structure and not, not contributing to the finished visual portion of the piece. So it's kind of like garter stitch gauge wise, like you're going to have way more rows. (laughs) Yeah. Then yeah. you know, yeah. oh yeah, like, yeah, like way more weft yeah. rows beaten into <laughs> like there, which I love. Um, and me you know, too. With, with the tapestry weaving, you can't really use a lot of the knitting yarns; they just don't work. You don't want something yeah. with high elasticity. Um, there's just yeah. you know, just learning from the instructors. Uh, they just want you want something that is very sturdy. It's not gonna, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not gonna feel nice. You know, it's not gonna be something that you knit with um, to get the desired yeah. results. You know, so like hemp fiber, you know, like hemp, like hemp twine mm-hmm. would be a good, uh, a good warp for yeah. a tapestry yeah. loom. You know, something that mm-hmm. that uh, is really sturdy and can't, you know, isn't gonna break when you beat a bunch of fibers into it, <laughs> <laughs> but will give you a really strong foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. If you're not sure about, like, what you want to use, mm-hmm. um, find your weaving guild. I'll put a link for finding your local weaving guilds. Sometimes they will rent out equipment. Oh, yeah. And on Ravelry, there's a page set up where um, there's a directory set up. I have to look it up. Ooh. 
Good. That you that like if say like you you're in Utah right um and you mm-hmm. don't mind sharing like having someone try out your loom you actually put your name and add nice. your, your address but yeah so like basically like you can come over and play with my loom yes and see if you like this particular loom so yeah there's a whole it's That's on Ravelry great. actually in one of the forums okay. and so it's super nice people are talking about see weavers I mean fiber arts people are just yeah. so nice um, seriously thanks so much Angela. Oh, thank you for having me. Where can people find you? They can find me on um, Instagram. I almost post a lot of my crafting adventures on there and new designs mm-hmm. and, you know, where and events. Uh, it's A-T-O-N-G Designs, so A-Tong Designs uh, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can find my patterns on Ravelry. Um, yep. You can find uh, also Angela Tong uh, on Ravelry. Yeah. A lot of my knitting patterns are on there, and I teach. And where can people find your classes? Yeah, oh, classes, specifically. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Craftsy. I just heard that Craftsy is now. Yeah, it's now blueprint. Name. Yeah, so blueprint. So my regular <laughs> weaving. Yes, yeah, so I just got the news today, so um, yeah. so I can't call it Craftsy class anymore. But it's my class is rigid how to weaving. It's the beginner class where you know you learn to warp and weave and set up you know your looms. Yep. And I also teach knitting basic mittens and gloves on the nice. on blueprint also. And on Interweave, I have a short download, like a small download video on pin loom weaving. So oh, you can learn to, I think it's like a 45 minute video where I teach you how to warp and weave and uh, different seaming techniques on creating larger pieces because, you know, with the pin loom, you're making yeah. little square pieces. Um, yeah. And I also have awesome. a, yeah, so then then there's a video and a DVD on uh, the structures of shawls on interweave.com, too. Um, awesome. That's where you can so find me. we'll right link to all those in the mm-hmm. show notes as well yeah. for anybody who just wants to not Google search it and just yeah. link. So <laughs> yeah. thanks a lot. This has been really fun. Yeah, I really, you know, I love uh, <laughs> talking about weaving. So right? thank you for having me. Don't forget to check out the show notes on this one. I've got videos on direct warping and so many beautiful projects from Anne's book. And if you'd like a copy of that book for yourself, don't forget to enter the drawing for this episode at yarnstoriespodcast.com. You can follow me in all of my making at Miriam Felton Knit Designs on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram as MimKnits. Thank you forever and ever to the patrons who keep this podcast paid for. The address for the Patreon, if you want to get some cool rewards and bonus content, along with my eternal devotion, is patreon.com slash Miriam Felton. That's M-I-R-I-A-M, F as in Foxtrot, E-L-T-O-N. If you can't support the podcast with cold hard cash, you can do me a solid and leave a review in iTunes or share the podcast with your fiber-loving friends. Spreading the word of yarn stories makes a huge difference. You can follow the podcast on social media via Facebook, search for Yarn Stories Podcast with no space between yarn and stories, Twitter at Yarn Stories Pod, or Instagram at Yarn Stories Podcast. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever-elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. Thanks for listening, and I will see you again in two weeks when I talk to Cheryl Colander and Sarah Lamb about silk. Hey, babe. Hi. What you doing in the closet? <laughs>